2: And I'm David Gura. Listen to the big take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Let's go! This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: And just like that, I am almost awake on a Sunday. Welcome back into the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM alongside former NFL executive Michael Lombardi out east. I'm Stormy Bonantoni holding it down at Circa Resort and Casino. we got a great final hour of the show coming up. We'll continue a lot of our NFL talk with another former, M- uh, former GM, Randy Mueller, who will join us in about 15 minutes. We also have our guy, Thomas Gable of the Borgata Racing Sportsbook, breakdown down everything that happened at the Kentucky Derby yesterday and the latest on the NBA playoffs. Speaking of the NBA, time to welcome in now JVT, VEASAN's senior NBA betting analyst, host of the Hardwood Handicappers podcast. He has written work up on the VEASAN.com every day, breaking down all of these games. JVT, what's going on?
5: Uh, nothing much, you know, it's, uh, keep, it keeps going. The NBA post yesterday was not the best day in terms of action. It was kind of boring. So hopefully today pans out as a little bit better in terms of entertainment.
4: You didn't like the rock fight in Miami, uh,
5: the rock fight in Miami or the blowout in LA. Uh, <laughs> no, yesterday was not the best day. And what I would say was actually has been a pretty decent NBA playoff so far, stormy in terms of entertainment. So hopefully we'll get something as uh, we joked about earlier. So I can feel a little something. Uh, later today, maybe the spark in my heart will ignite a little bit more if I get some good basketball today.
6: JBT, I know you've been talking about the Lakers defensively since, what, January 20th or something like that, that mm-hmm. they've been really one of the best defensive teams. But I thought yesterday in that second half they took it to another level. I mean, I, I don't know if you have a ticket for them, but to me, they look like they found their groove. Like, they might be the best team in the West.
5: You know, uh, Michael, I would still think I still think Denver is the best team in the West, but I think that they are the best defensive team in the West. I, I think we can say that unequivocally for the Los Angeles Lakers. Look, you have Anthony Davis, right? He is arguably the best defensive player on the planet when he's fully healthy and ready to go. Uh, you have LeBron James. That when he wants to turn it on, right? That sequence last uh, last night where Steph Curry looks like he's got a breakaway layup, and all of a sudden LeBron comes sprinting out of nowhere to uh, deflect the pass uh, that was uh, supposed to be set. I think for Andrew Wiggins, and he had to run into the stands. Like, uh, there's a lot of good defensive pieces here Vanderbilt is really good defensive player so I don't think I would argue with you that this could be the best defensive team in the West and maybe even in the entire thing if Boston's going to continue to kind of be lackadaisical with it so I still have concerns Michael right offensively you know if you're not going to be an incredible three-point shooting team and yesterday they got the best of both worlds right they had a really great defensive performance off um, on that end of the floor and then they shot 42.9 percent from three so those two things together led to a blowout I still have concerns with how good they're going to be offensively, especially against a team like Denver should they face them in the next round. Uh, But I do think that you can say without hesitation that they are the best defensive team left in the Western Conference.
4: What's going on with this up and down with Anthony Davis? It's like one game, he's great. And then the next game, it's like, where'd you go?
5: I don't know. Right? Like, it's weird. It's, 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 it's something that can't be explained because it's a matchup that you, you would think he should thrive in, right, Stormy? I mean, there's not really a pure defensive piece that can take him out of a game for the Golden State Warriors. I mean, you go back to game two, and like Draymond, was, he's getting physical with him, and he, he wasn't allowing him to get comfortable or set, but like, you should still win that matchup more often than not. And as you said, it's not even just this series. It is extended out past, you know, into that Memphis series and into the play And So I would agree with you in that it is confusing, and there seems to be no real rationale behind it. It's not like teams are making massive adjustments to take him out of games. And I think, look, like we can maybe explain it to a certain extent where you go back to game one and he has to play the entirety of the second half. And maybe he's a little worn down after one day of rest to go into game two and play that game yet again. And so you then come back home and you get that jolt and you play a little bit better. But I would say kind of going back to Michael's question about them being the best team in the NBA or excuse me, in the Western Conference. Your offense has to be better, and thus Anthony Davis has to be better and more consistent if you're not going to be a good three point shooting team. So he's definitely got to string some good performances together because it's just going to be this up and down thing. Like, that's not going to be something that's cut out enough to at least get you in through the Western Conference and maybe through the NBA Finals.
6: H- has the Heat sold you yet, JVT? I mean, their odds are 25 to 1 to get to the finals, the Sixers are 20 to 1. I will tell you again, if Miami played Philly, they would win five, in five games. Uh-huh. There's no doubt in my mind. I said that before, the, before this whole thing started, that if Miami was the sixth seed, they would have beaten Philly as the third seed. So, like, I have no doubt about that. But to me, I think Miami is a legitimate team. I mean, they're physical, they're tough, they're well-coached, and Butler's a superstar.
5: Yeah, I, I mean, I, Michael, they've they've sold me in that. Like coming into this series, we talked about it on the podcast. They they were my pick to win this series because I just I thought they matched up well with the New York Knicks. I think the Knicks, you know, it's like it's like in the mixed martial arts, right? Styles make fights. And in the NBA postseason, a lot of the times, more often than not, styles do make fights. I mean, you're seeing it with the size advantage that the Lakers have in this series against Golden State. You're seeing the depth that the Nuggets have as compared to the Phoenix Suns in that series. And you're seeing it here in this series against New York. And you saw it with New York in that series against Cleveland. So I'm sold in them in the fact that I think they're going to win this series. And I thought they were going to win this series when it got set. However, and like this is, you know, you take it with a grain of salt because Boston has not been consistent. As a team, they've kind of been like Anthony Davis, right? Just kind of up and down with the way they play defensively. But I, I still think that when you're talking about a team that finished in the mid-20s in three-point shooting that still consistently struggles to score. I mean, yesterday, Stormy mentioned the rock fight. If you win that game, you still only have a defensive or excuse me, an offensive rating, of 110.8. That's equivalent to what the Spurs did in the regular season. Like, that's not really good. And if you're overly relying on one guy, I just don't know how far that takes you. So, like, I don't, I don't think I'd be running to the window to bet them to win the uh, Eastern Conference, to win the NBA Finals, only because I do think those flaws will be exposed when they meet who I believe is going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals in the Boston Celtics.
4: Well, let's take a closer look, JVT, at the two games that are coming up tonight, starting with the Boston Celtics at the 76ers. The total in this game, 213.5. Celtics favored by 2.5. Tip-off coming at 3.30 Eastern on TNT. The Sixers of course we're able to steal that game one but it's been all celtics largely since do you think that they can continue to dominate tonight or is this an opportunity for philadelphia
5: no i look i think that the celtics are going to win this game stormy i think if there was a side i'd be on it would be boston if you're laying the points uh given my position in terms of the total again this series at five and a half I might put a little bit of something on philly a small play on the money line here but i think overall There has been, I keep using this term when we talk about a lot of these series and games, constants, right? Like, what has been consistent throughout a series that you can kind of rely on? And while Boston, finally, over the last two games, has started to defend very well, the defensive ratings is 92.9 and 108.5, respectively, the constant for them has been their offense. Philly has no answer for Boston's offense in any way, shape, or form. You look at the three games that they have played, offensive ratings of 127.8, 131.4, 117.7. They're shooting the ball well. They're getting to the free throw line with some consistency. And so I think the constant here is that Philly is not going to be able to match up with Boston's offense. I.e. like, slow it down. So then it's like, okay, well, is Philly's offense going to kick it into gear? in the last two games have kind of shown you that, again, I don't want to say that Joel Embiid makes them easier to defend, but it allows Boston to be kind of sound with what they want to do schematically on defense. So I think overall, if you're looking at this, and I think, Michael, you mentioned it, I think that this is a spot where Boston's going to come in. They're going to take a 3 1 series lead, and they're going to have a chance to go back to uh, Boston to close this thing out with a win today.
6: Yeah, I agree. I think if this game is close in the fourth quarter, Boston will find a way to win it. That's always been the case, especially against Philly. Even in the game, you know, where during the regular season where Boston was missing two of their players, Jalen Brown, and yep. I think Horford was out of that game. You know, that game got down to the final couple of minutes, and Tucker hit two three-pointers from the corner, which is a rarity anymore. So they were able to find a way to barely win that game. I, Michael I just Embiid don't think needed a good 50 ma- points on, like, nearly perfect shooting I know. in that game. I, I don't see it, I don't see it as a I'd I never have felt like they were they matched up to, Phil, yep. to Bo- Philly matches to Boston. But how about Phoenix tonight? Like is it I, at some point, what other player for Phoenix is going <laughs> to try to get the ball into the basket?
5: Uh, I I don't think they are like, and this is so. This is one of the things that I've kind of harped on when it came to this series, right? And it's why like I have Denver here in this series. I bet him again money line here today. And full full disclosure, I bet him money line in Game Three because I'm willing to take the shot at both plus prices. Look, Phoenix has an issue with depth. We know this at this point right now. And when you look at that, like yesterday, the last game that they played to get over 80 points from both of your top players and have nobody else score more than seven. Like there was always the potential that Devin Booker and Kevin Durant were going to go nuclear, right? That they were going to have their scoring performances and that they were going to pull the v- uh, Phoenix to victory because they're just freaking awesome. And you saw that in that game. However, like, you still entered clutch minutes at one point in that game, so it was still a little tight down the stretch of the fourth quarter. You needed almost every single one of those points. And you're talking about, like, if one bucket doesn't fall, then we're talking about, like, a five-point game down the stretch between these two teams. So, like, I think, that like, like you're talking about here, Michael, Can we get like a Tory Craig who came out of nowhere in the series against the Clippers, averaged 17 on 60% shooting in a short series? Maybe, like maybe that can happen, but the odds are saying that that's probably not going to happen. And so if you're somebody who has backed Denver before the series started, or if you wanted to take a Moneyline price with Denver again, like I would not disagree with that. It's a bet that I made. And I think if you're just banking on Phoenix to again, man, just give me 40 plus minutes and 80 combined points between the two of you, we can just get this done. That's a lot to ask of two guys. And especially when you look at the performance of Denver in that last game, guys, like they lost the game. But guess what? Jokic had 30, 17, and 17 on 11 and 19 shooting, right? Jamal Murray had 32, 6 and 5 on 13 to 29 shooting. They were still performing relatively well offensively. So now you're just asking two guys to have just near perfect games to pull out just a single one by about seven points. That's just a lot to ask for Phoenix.
4: JVT, the prop market is only asking for them to combine for over 61. So.
5: <sighs> well, and you know what, Stormy, it's crazy is, I, I mentioned this, I don't know if it was with you guys, but I know one of the hits I did, I'd actually look to bet those over, like Michael said. Who are you giving those shot attempts to if you're Phoenix, right? Like, they are going to have a vast majority of the shot share between those two guys. So it's not actually unrealistic to look at that and potentially bet that thing over. But again, to your point, think about that. Think about what you're asking, especially if you think that the Suns can win this series. Just give me 40 and 30 every single night, and we'll be fine. Like, that's, that's something that's absolutely ridiculous and wild to think of, and especially as we saw this with Chris Paul from two guys who missed a vast majority of time this season due to soft tissue injuries. That is a lot to ask of these two dudes.
4: JVT. A lot. Uh, yeah, no, no question. Um, Really, really great stuff, as always. Appreciate you. Anything new that you guys are dropping on the podcast today?
5: Uh no just every day not monday or excuse me not saturday and sunday so I have a new one starting monday through friday uh after i get done with the morning shift on on monday and uh for the first time in my life i have a bet on an f1 race today so wish me luck there What do you oh, have
6: Mikhail what you got, got What do you got uh,
5: well, actually, one of the, let's just say that one of the markets out here in Las Vegas fell asleep at the wheel and didn't adjust and didn't make the, uh, the the right person the favorite. So I have no idea. I just know that the guy that I got at plus 450 should have been the odds
6: on favorite.
4: So. Get it going. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well done. JVT, everybody. Mikkel will
6: be happy with you.
4: Yes. That's there right. we go. Uh, make sure you check out Hardwood Handicapper's podcast drop-in um, next episode on Monday. We got to take a quick break, but we will be right back here on the Lombardi line. I'm not previewing what comes next in these segments anymore because I keep messing it up today, Michael.
0: We're moving on. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events.
3: You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: This is the
5: Lombardi
1: Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni on vSEN, the sports betting network.
4: What's going on, everybody? It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID. Open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're gonna love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522 4700. And this is just GM Corner now. So I think I need to step aside. Uh, Michael Lombardi, of course, out east. And we welcome into the show Randy Mueller, former GM and Executive of the Year in the NFL, covers the league now as an analyst writing for The Athletic, as well as hosting the Football GM podcast. Randy, we actually wanted to have you on the show earlier, but you were busy with your XFL duties. (laughs) And congratulations on a great season for the Sea Dragons.
2: Well, thanks a lot. We had a lot of fun in the XFL. And as Mike knows, you don't get many chances to build a team from scratch. And that's what we all did in the XFL. So it was really fun and a great exercise.
6: Yeah, it really is. And hopefully, Randy, that keeps coming back. Because I think the one thing that league has proven is, you know, we need player development in the NFL. I think it's pretty clear the fact the the lack of offensive line talent that needs to get developed by the rules uh, of the CBA, where it's very challenging to bring their guys. You know, when you and I started in the league, you know, we had off-season programs. Guys were yep. – inside that gym all the time. So, you know, I I think it's really an important part of the league. But let's shift to the draft. You know, you and I both are, you know, we both have been graded on drafts before. Probably I've gotten more (laughs) Fs than anybody. But, you know, when you you look over this whole landscape of the draft and, and you see it, what jumps out to you first in terms of impacting a team next season?
2: Well, I think the big thing for me, just philosophically, that's changed, Mike, is teams are willing to take more risks. I think that's the big thing, especially in a quarterback-driven league. Teams are willing to roll the dice on quarterbacks more so than never before. And as we saw this year with, you know, a five-foot-ten quarterback getting picked first and, and uh, a quarterback that cons- completed less than 60% of his passes get picked in the top five, it just, you know, I, I guess teams are, are willing to build around that type of skill set more than in the past. And I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying there's, There's more risk involved now than ever before.
4: When you look at those quarterbacks specifically that did get drafted, do you think that there is a best fit or best situation for one of those quarterbacks to really be set up for success?
2: Well, I think Carolina might be the best team. And I think Bryce Young, and the big caveat there is if he stays healthy, and and we'll never know that until he actually plays. I think they're insulated right now the best in that they'll have a good group. They've got veteran people around them and Frank Reich. Uh, Scott Fitterer they'll build a good team around him and I think he's polished enough to where he can step right in and play his height doesn't affect the way he plays and I don't know if you agree with this Mike it doesn't really hold him back it's the long-term durability and the uh, and the and really the the risk of injury from being in that pocket because as you know Mike they make you stand in that pocket eventually they're going to know where you're at and and the running around stuff isn't going to help you at some point you got to be able to win from the pocket and And I think Bryce will do that, just a matter of the durability part being an
6: issue. I agree, Randy. I thought durability was it. I mean, he doesn't play like a 5'10 kid. He has that kind of arc release, doesn't get very many balls batted down, and he's got great rhythm and timing to his game. So I'm with you, whereas the one I – I loved Anthony Richardson's athleticism, but to me I had a hard time turning the corner on him – in terms of can he actually develop? You know, he struggles to complete just standard passing, and I just felt like, to me, that was a risk in the sense I understand why the Colts did it, but from your viewpoint, I mean, we've all seen guys with this athleticism, but at some point, you got to throw the ball.
2: Well, there's no doubt about it, and everybody has a different criteria, especially with quarterbacks, and they prioritize them different. For me, it is processing, and it is consistent accuracy. And those were the two things that I struggled with on Anthony. Now, I'm with you. He is not a good athlete. He's a great athlete and can make all the throws with a fluid arm motion and delivery and all that. I just think that's probably the hardest thing to, to wrap my arms around is the consist, inconsistency of his accuracy. So people say they saw Josh Allen get more accurate. Now I think there's more uh, of a narrative that you can improve accuracy. I'm not so sure about that, but hey, I, and I'm not saying the Colts are wrong. That's an, a great example of, it's just risky to do that kind of stuff. You can compare that to what the 49ers did a few years ago in draft trading up to get Trey Lance. There was just a lot of dots that needed to be connected to develop into an NFL quarterback. And I'm, I'm not necessarily the guy to do that. That's all. That's why the ice cream shop has 31 flavors, right? We all get to pick our favorites.
4: Well, and, and another element too with the Anthony Richardson side of things is the just the 13 starts. So he's a guy that needs to continue to get experience and, and needs to play. And, Randy, something Michael and I talked a lot about going into this draft is it's kind of hard to judge any team for having a bad first round draft or a bad draft in general just because of what this talent pool was. Were there any teams that you thought either did really knock it out of the park with some of their selections or left you scratching your head on the complete opposite end? How did you feel walking away from things?
2: Well, I think sometimes, and you mentioned earlier, it is about fit. And if you see a team that, that grabs somebody that fits instantly, I think those are the teams that end up at least showing early on that they've done the best. And, you know, the, the Dalton Kincaid kid, the tight end that from Utah that Buffalo took, I'm not for drafting tight ends high, but in this case, this kid had a special skill set, And I thought he jumped out at me as being a great fit in Buffalo. The other team I thought that did really well was the Steelers. The Steelers, identified some guys that come in and play their kind of football. And, and if they want to run the ball and be physical, they drafted the big tight end from Georgia uh, in the third round. They did really well. And I think that's a group of, of decision-makers in Omar Khan, um, uh, Mark Sadowski, uh, Andy Weidel, that all have worked together in the past. And I think it showed that their, their, their criteria for finding players got them all on the right on the same page sooner. And it made for a nice draft, so I think the Steelers are a team that really got better.
6: Yeah, I, I, you know, you live up in the Pacific Northwest, and you're very familiar with Seattle. You know, I, I kind of felt like Seattle kind of went against what I thought they would do in terms of drafting a corner with Pete Carroll, but to me, I think that. To- they did a really nice job. They get the slot receiver. They get the corner. And we know some of these later picks, they get Charbonneau, the running back, in the in what, the second round to help Kenneth Walker to replace Rashard Petty. To me, have they closed the gap in your mind a little bit on San Francisco?
2: Yeah, I think so. You know, people forget they were a pretty decent team at the end of last year, too. They, they were up and down a lot of the season but ended up on some pretty good notes. And, and yeah, I mean, I think everybody said, well, are they going to look at quarterback? in the first round because they need to solve it long term I thought that they did a really good job especially it, it, kind of going against the grain and that they didn't overthink it they just took the best players at those positions that you mentioned Mike and sometimes those are the best drafts and when we don't overthink it and trade down and trade down or or, or you know outmaneuver our own selves and I thought Pete and John did a really good job of that I think there'll be a team that fights for a division championship for sure
4: The Falcons taking running back Bijan Robinson at eight was a bit of a surprise just considering they were a team that didn't necessarily have a need at the position but he's such a weapon um, the favorite to be the offensive rookie of the year coming into this next season whether it's Bijan or someone else are there like some certain one or two players that really stood out to you as making an immediate impact and could make a run for that offensive rookie of the year.
2: Well, I think Robinson is the natural one because I think you can play early as a running back. And as Mike knows, you're going to play on three downs, so you're going to have a lot of chances to make impact in, it, in a system like they run. Um, the Arthur Smith offense is tailor-made for Bijan Robinson. I think the other kid that's going to surprise people is C.J. Stroud. For me, he was a player that um, kind of took some hits, especially the last couple weeks of the drafting process. And I'm, I don't know that Houston's going to be a team that he's going to Show instant success, but these guys that play right away, and I think he will, they'll have a chance to impact the offensive, you know, rookie of the year type thing. The other thing is Jalen Hyatt, who is a third round receiver that the Giants traded up to get. I think he brings an interesting skill set as kind of a sleeper to answer your question, Stormy. He is a fast, stretch the field type receiver that I think Brian Dayball, being involved with that trade up, is going to find a way to get him the ball early. And I think. He- Anytime you can get guys with that kind of speed, that forces defenses to really defend you differently. Those are the kind of guys that I think jump out early in those kind of uh, those kind of voting things, like you said, with regard to offensive player of the year or, or any of those positions for young guys, anyway.
6: Yeah, I, I agree, Randy. I mean, look, you know, th- there was talk that Hyatt could be the fifth receiver picked in the first round, and they get him in the third. And Look, everybody has their receiver board differently. But the Giants need – I mean, look, Daniel Jones averaged 6.9 yards per attempt last year. At some point, you got to throw the ball down the field to, make, to score points, and they need somebody who can vertically on the outside. But you're right. I think it's all about the fit in terms of rookie of the year. Does it fit really well within the offense? It's like Kenneth Walker. I mean, had he stayed healthy last year? last year you know he probably would be
2: rookie of the year yeah no doubt he had a great spurts of seasons in Seattle but I think he's a guy that they will lean on a lot and and you mentioned Charbonneau that's only going to make Kenneth Walker better so I think you're right I think these guys that can fit into a system pick things up quickly they're the ones to look at
4: Randy thank you so much for doing this we appreciate your time
6: awesome job appreciate you thanks guys
4: and food for thought, C.J. Stroud, 7-1 in the Offensive Rookie of the Year market. Jalen Hyatt, 28-1. We're going to step aside but be back rolling along here on the Lombardi Line on a Sunday.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on v the
2: sports betting network.
4: If you haven't already, now is the time. Become a VSEN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all of the best bets from our show hosts and guests as well as unlimited access to the VSEN.com slash picks page. You can sort picks by sport matchup event date and more also you can check out the top visa experts leaderboard to view betting records profit and roi and see which visa expert has the hot hand for Vison pro picks betting splits power ratings plus 24 7 video access make sure you become a visON pro subscriber today sign up now just nine dollars and 99 cents at visa.com slash subscribe Rolling along here on the Lombardi line as we welcome you back, Stormy Bonantoni and Michael Lombardi with you. And we bring in great friend of the show, our guy Thomas Gable, the director of the Race and Sportsbook down at the Borgata. And I know yesterday had to have been so hectic but fun with the Kentucky Derby coming through. And maybe, TG, can you take us through that a little bit? Because it's obviously such a heavily bet event every single year, but it was a little bit chaotic yesterday with all of the scratches, especially the favorite Forte not being in the field anymore.
7: Yeah, it's, you know, I'll say this, they always use the expression, you don't build the church for Easter Sunday, but for Easter mass, sometimes you kind of have to extend the seating into the hall a little bit. And that's, you know, what we had to do here. We have to, you know, we have to put some, uh, put some people in the central conference center and uh, set up some auxiliary bedding areas just to handle the crowds. But, uh, you know, everybody got through and had a great, great turnout, great handle and, uh, it, you know, it was, it, it's always such a fun event and, uh, it, you know, just the transaction times that take a little bit longer because the people who come out to bet the Derby, it's, it's basically the Super Bowl of horse racing. So you may not see these people betting another horse race until next year's Kentucky Derby. So the transaction times take a little bit longer. Uh, you have to account for that. Uh, people aren't used to, uh, to betting horses. So, uh, but no, everybody, um, did a great job yesterday. It was, it was fun, very tiring day, but uh, it, it was a great race. Uh, Mage there, shout out to uh, Mike Somich, and, and I think Chris Andrews also was, uh, was on that horse, uh, overtook two fills there uh, towards the end there, so and won by a length. But, uh, and great also for, uh, for the jockey there, Castellano, who uh, first derby win in a very storied career
6: tg Well, do you have a sense that maids will run the, the the next the Preakness, or do you think that that because of the race you know all all the things that go into it the studying fees all that that they might back her back him off
7: uh i know I, I haven't heard yet if he uh if he will take part in uh it, at, at Pimlico, we'll, we'll see uh, i'm sure an announcement will be coming soon on that uh, as we're only Literally two weeks away, uh, you don't get much much of a break there between uh, the Preakness and the Derby. So, uh, it, you know, I, I think as long as the uh, the horse is healthy and uh, no issues crop up, uh, you know, they they might as well go after it.
4: It's still crazy to think just three lifetime starts for that horse. How was the the result ultimately for you guys over at the Borgata with Mage Two Fills and Angel of Empire finishing one two three.
7: Well, we're so. We're, we booked into the paramutual pool so it, it really for us it's all about churning handle and uh, okay. we've had a great great day uh, overall with uh, with handle, so yeah can't complain on on that front
6: well let's go let's go to the story of the day tj you got the book down there are you getting any 76er money at all today even in a 76er shop <laughs>
7: We are today, Michael. Now, obviously, there's a few hours to go before tip. We're about four hours from tip-off, uh, but we are taking some Sixers, uh, some Sixers money, and uh, you know who, who knows could be the uh, the last home game of the year uh, for them. And then uh, you'll be attending the, I'm sure, the MVP celebration parade in, in Margate this summer. Uh, but, yes,
6: I will be. Yes, uh, I will be there. Yeah, yeah. I'll have my Stephen like cookies, uh, blueberry pie. pie with me as I celebrate it going down. <laughs> yes, I will. Yes, I can't yeah, wait for that. A, yeah,
7: that's going to be the only parade happening, I think, for for this team. But uh, yeah, I mean, well, that doesn't.
6: It, we don't want team. parades. I mean, we don't. They don't right. want. We we basically achieved what we wanted. We got him the MVP. That's the most important thing to everybody.
4: Michael, how many times do I have to remind you? You are a fan of the team.
6: Yeah, but I'm a fan of winning more than I'm a fan of MVPs, okay? I'm a fan of winning. I want to win. I want to, I want players that will do everything to win. And as TG knows, the, the, the narrative after this season will be, well, they just don't have the right supporting cast, which has been the narrative going back for four years. So at some point, You know, this is – I think, T.G., this is going to be a turning point. tonight. Today's a turning point in Philadelphia's 76er history. Josh Harris will become the owner of the Washington football teams, whether he changed the name or not, and that's going to put his focus down. It's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward.
7: No, you're right. You're right, Michael. And then, you know, looking at the game yesterday – I think any 76ers fan just has to be saying, "What, what did we do? What did we do? How did we let Jimmy Butler go away and uh, and keep Ben Simmons?" I mean, it's it's just you're haunted by the what ifs. If uh, Butler had right. still been on this roster,
6: let's yeah, look- I mean, but but that's but Stormy, see, that's what you miss. You you come in later in my life. You've missed the what ifs. You know, in in seventy six or history, we draft Larry Hughes instead of Paul Pierce. You know, we draft Sean Bradley instead of Chris Weber, You know, I there's mean, there's a lot it's of like, pent up
4: bitterness over there. There's the years. a lot of
6: anger in these. Yeah, there's a lot of. It. I mean, we trade we trade the first pick overall, Brad Doherty for Roy Roy, uh, the kid from Rutgers. I forget his name. Yeah, you know, I mean, Roy Hinson. We trade that. I mean, it's just uh, it's just constant that this happens and it, and it's in the building and it goes on. I mean, look, we trade all those draft choices for Mikel. We we trade away Mikel Bridges for Zaire Smith. And nobody even knows where Zaire Smith is today. So it, it's just, it goes on and on.
4: Well, it ain't over till it's over. And the 76ers are still alive for now. <laughs> TG, let's look to the other game coming up though tonight with the Denver Nuggets and Suns. Obviously no Chris Paul and Depth has been a very clear issue for this Phoenix team. How's tonight's game being bet?
7: Yeah, I mean, you're you're seeing uh, Denver take some money here. Phoenix down to two and a half point favorite uh, from the opener of four. And, uh, you know, listen, Devin, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, they combined for 86 points in game three with no Chris Paul and, a lack of depth on the bench. You know, that's unfortunately what's needed from Phoenix to win games in this series. Uh, And when you look at Booker's numbers from last game, he was pretty much creating his own shot as the point guard. And he was 20 for 25 shooting for an unbelievable 80% shooting percentage. Uh, But the bottom line is no one believes this is sustainable. And it's not like Phoenix ran away with game three either. So, you know, Denver didn't shoot particularly well, only 34% from three, despite having a lot of open looks. Uh, and I would expect a lot better effort here from Denver tonight uh, with a chance to really kind of uh, put this series away uh, going back home. So, you know, maybe Durant and Booker have another Herculean effort in them, but I think we know how this series is more than likely going to play out.
4: We also have, coming up tonight, three games in the National Hockey League. TG, the Hurricanes with a 2 nothing lead over the Devils. And both of those games mm-hmm. just looked next-level dominant. But we also saw the Devils go down 2-0 in their opening round series yeah. and rebounded and obviously dominated the Rangers the way they did down the stretch, winning 4 nothing in that final game. How do you think things are going um, with, with Game 3 and the approach here for the Devils?
7: Yeah, so Devils now back on home ice. Uh, they are the favorite here, dollar forty favorite, and obviously it's sort of a hometown team uh, here in Atlantic City. So uh, they are taking a decent amount of action here for the early game. Uh, you know, not much on the for the series here. Not much of a decision for us uh, in this series. The uh, obviously the series with the Rangers and Devils was a, a very heavily bet uh, series for us, but uh, this one not much of a decision. Um, and then the, the other two games uh, later on, we got uh, Panthers, obviously up there on uh, the Maple Leafs. But Leafs, a uh, dollar thirty favorites here, and uh, the uh, the Kraken and the Stars uh, tied. And you have uh, the Stars there, dollar forty um, favorites tonight. That's the late game.
4: Are people counting the uh- Kraken out, or are they they the team of destiny now?
7: I'll tell you what, if the Kraken can, can pull out this series, that'd be a huge, huge win for us. Uh, we, we have some liability in the Stars in the series, but also a lot of liability on the Stars uh, to, to come out of the Western Conference. So uh, the Kraken would be a great result if they could uh, upset them and eliminate Dallas here.
6: Well, Storm, Stormy, uh, Femi will have his Kraken sweater on I'm for sure. sure. He's a, you know, he's going to be, if they come out of this, field, for sure.
4: Well, uh, yeah, his Kraken looking better than my Golden Knights at this point. TG, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks, your... TG. All right. Thank you, guys. Oh, gosh. I still can't get that taste out of my mouth from what I witnessed last night on the ice at T-Mobile Arena.
2: Uh-oh. Pathetic,
4: Michael. Pathetic I got to remind
6: you, Stormy, you are a fan of the, ah! of the Knights. So, I, mean, <laughs> I got to remind you, Stormy, you're a fan. I you mean, come me on. There. You got <laughs> me
4: there. Well done. Okay, we have a quick break. Wrapping things up on the Lombardi line next.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge.
3: You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on vSEN, the sports betting network.
4: BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Plus, if you're planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert those BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located here on the Las Vegas Strip or nationwide. Sign up with BetMGM or you can log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to please play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification eligibility requirements. Rewards issued not is not withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I noticed yesterday on the show, Michael, that. Yeah. Femi hit the T's and C's instead of terms and conditions. And that's a new one for me. I hadn't heard that before.
6: He, you know, Femi's kind of always got a little bit of a, a little, little mix. You know, he kind of messes. He likes the ones and the twos, the T's (laughs) and the C's. He's kind of got that, that thing going. It rolls off his tongue. You know, he, he got, he got lured into it. He, he tried to pretend like he came out on top on the 76ers the other night, but, you know, he, he hit the first quarter, and then he lost the first half. He was very happy, but, you know, he they lured him right in. They sucked him right in, you know, Paul. going to give away the MVP trophy like it was going to matter, you know. It mattered when Iverson got it, Stormy. He only scored 52 points. He only was 8 for 12 for the 3-point. They only won by 30, but, you know, Embiid, you know, that it didn't matter.
4: Yeah, Femi's got some pizzazz, but you're, you're right. I did, like, expect the 76ers to come out with more knowing that it was the mVP night right like you're giving the trophy it's the whole to-do yeah. there's all this ambiance in the crowd like take advantage of that use that momentum and get the building going and unfortunately they just weren't able to get it done again um let's get your final thoughts on the game tonight though we're seeing this spread two two and a half total two thirteen and a half
6: I like the Celtics, and I think one of the things that I learned from Larry Brown listening to his press conferences after the Sixers when I – you would have identified me as a fan then, Stormy. uh, It was that, you know, he often would talk about we play like strangers out there, and I really feel like in the last two games the 76ers have played like strangers. I think nobody wants to – nobody wants to take the – the reins. Nobody wants to steal the thunder from Embiid. They want him to be the 50 point scorer. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went for 40 tonight. You know, they say his knee's much better. But at the end of the day, the matchups as JVT talks about, the wing defense, the the transition defense. I think Boston has the eye of the tiger. I think they'll close it out. I don't agree with Femi's premise that Boston goes hit or miss at times. I think they have the I think they have the sense of it they need to get this over with and they have confidence when they play Philadelphia. I mean, they don't lose to Philly. They know they're better than Philly, and I think that confidence will render itself. If Philly doesn't have a big lead going into the fourth, I think Boston wins it.
4: And I do think that opening game was a bit of a wake-up call for the Celtics, too, and we've talked a lot about their shooting. When it's on, it's on, and it's going to be an uphill battle, I think, for the 76ers in a lot of ways. But you mentioned Joel Embiid. Maybe he goes off for another big day because there hasn't really been Anybody else who's been able to be a consistent third shooter for the 76ers team, his points prop is sitting at 27 and a half points, which actually leads me as we go to this Nugget Suns game next to a point that JVT brought up a little bit earlier. This is going to be our pro tip of the show. We do these every single show, just trying to help everybody become more informed betters. but maybe don't be afraid to bet the overs on Kevin Durant and Devin Booker's point props tonight, because if you don't like the Suns, like even if you don't like the Suns to win, it doesn't matter because nobody else has really been able to do anything. Phoenix has so few offensive options. Chris Paul isn't available, and that offense is largely run through Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Their point props tonight: Kevin Durant 29 and a half points, and Devin Booker 31 and a half.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think that's what total of 60 points. I mean. <laughs> Look, how are they going to win if they don't score more than – either one doesn't score more than their number. They have to. And, look, I think the Nuggets feel like, okay, it took a Herculean effort by Booker and by Durant to beat us. Let's put the ball in somebody else's hand, see if they can beat us. And if we just play our game, we can win this and we can go up – you know, we can get this series 3-1 to one and do exactly what we wanted to do, go back and win it in – in Denver, so I, I like Denver today too. I think Denver, you know, they play really good. That that their Jokic is, it gets everybody. 17 assists out of 27 is really remarkable. Everybody's engaged, and it took, like we said, it took these two players to play at a, an extreme level. 43 minutes and 42 minutes, they're going to be exhausted today going in the fourth.
4: Yep, combined for 86 points in that last game. The Nuggets on the money line, by the way, which was also what JVT had mentioned he liked earlier, plus 120, plus 130 range, depending on where you look. So those are the two Game Fours coming up tonight in the NBA. We also have three big games coming up in the NHL. We talked plenty of NFL throughout the course of the show today, including just looking at that AFC East division. And one thing I wanted to bring up with you earlier, but we just ran out of a little bit of time, Was what you made of Robert Sala's comments saying that it was kind of a silly narrative with uh, our guy Aaron Rodgers and his wish list bringing in all these former Packers that are now coming over to the Jets. But like I understand where Sala is coming from that yes that's a normal thing in the NFL that you see people bringing whoever like if a coach is newly hired he brings his guys. Same thing with the GM he wants to hire his guys but also does that always necessarily the, the recipe for success? Like, look at Ron Rivera and what he's done from Carolina bringing that over to Washington.
6: You know, I, I, I think he, he was making a point that he had validity until they signed Randall Cobb. Like, then it has no validity. Like, why are we signing Randall Cobb? Like, we've signed Lassard, You know, who are we taking off the field to put Randall Cobb on the field? I mean, that's the fair question, right? Randall Cobb's not going to help in the kicking game. So he's going to be. In, 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 are you taking Hardman off the field? Are you taking Lasard off the field? Are you taking Garrett Wilson off the field to put Cobb on the field? So I think his point. You know, now you got Corey Davis and you got Denzel Mims. I mean, clearly Corey Davis is going to get released. He's making 10 million a year right now. He's at best the fourth receiver. And we know that they're going to want to put Cobb in the game. Denzel Mims, a second-round pick in twenty, he's liable to get cut too. So I'm sure teams are sniffing around on Mims and White. Look, if they could trade, if they could trade Davis, they would. Nobody wants his salary, so they're going to have to dump him. Now they haven't done that yet, but when you sign Cobb, you send basically you're saying we want we want our quarterback to be comfortable. So his whole notion about well that whole list was ridiculous. It was well then why did you sign Cobb? <laughs>
4: Well, and with Cobb, you have to imagine you're not signing him at 33 years old to be a dynamic playmaker for you even in the slot. You're signing him to be like a coaching role for that wide receiver group, a mentor role. Right, but you got to get him to
6: the game. Stormy, you have to get him to the game, right? And so, all right, so he's he's not a third receiver. So he's not going to play. Who are we taking off the field to get him to the game? So now he's a fourth receiver. If you're the fourth or the fifth receiver, you got to play in the kicking game somebody's got to play in the kicking game. Like, we just can't, you know, put the ball in the 25 and say, okay, here you go. Like, somebody's got to p- play in the kicking game. So, typically, your your other receivers have some influence in the kicking game, whether it's a return or whether it's in coverage. So, like, how do you get him to the game? You know, when you sign Cobb, you have to say to yourself, okay, here's the role we're going to play him in. What role is that? Is it a slot receiver we're we going to put him inside? We're we going to take Garrett Wilson off the field so we can put – I, I don't think so. We're going to take Hardeman, who's an outside receiver, off the field? I don't think so. Like, I'm telling you, every AFC team, East, wants Cobb wow. on the field. They want <laughs> Cobb on the field.
4: I'm also, by the way, just waiting for the Mercedes-Lewis signing as well. That's I think that could be, next, be coming.
6: Right? I, I think that could be coming, too. Because, look, they – you know, and I think that would be probably a good signing because they need somebody to get them at the end of the line of scrimmage to kind of control – help their run game a little bit. You know, they signed – Usma, the kid from Cincinnati, you know, they really haven't gotten out of him what they hope to. So, look, their real issue is offensive line. They've got to figure out where they're going, you know, and, and where are they, what are they going to do with Beckton? They got Dwayne Brown at left tackle. Are they going to play Becton at right tackle? And they going to sit Mac Mitchell on the bench? I think that's what they have to work out.
4: Well, and that'll be another benefit, though, of I think having Aaron Rodgers around for these off-season workouts little bit by little bit to get some of his input on some of those question marks, too.
6: Yeah, well, I mean, he's obviously going to have an influence. and But I think you're right. Mercedes Lewis could be next. There's just no tackles out there. But, you know, I think as he develops a rapport with some of these receivers, obviously he loves Garrett Wilson mm-hmm. already. He said that he reminds him of Devontae Parker. So, you know, we know that. We know he has a relationship with Lessard. And Hardeman gives them the outside deep receiver.
4: I do wonder if Garrett Wilson could have a Devontae Adams type of a season with if they really do end up having that connection because – if so, I want him on my fantasy team, Michael. Locking I think he's it a good
6: fantasy pick. I think that would be a smart play. As you would say, no doubt to do that, Stormy.
4: <laughs> as, as I would say. Come on, man. Well, hey, uh, appreciate a great show with you, as always, today. Um, just knocking it out of the park. Great stuff. want to thank our producer, Elliot Bowman, behind the glass, as well as all of our fantastic guests for joining us today. JVT doing a great job. Claudia Bellafato over at Nessun. We had former GM Randy Mueller um, and our guy TG as per usual. Michael, but a fun show and good luck to your Thank 76ers you, tonight.
6: All right, get some rest, Stormy.
4: Thank you. I will, I will need it. I need to rest in recovery before these games start.